You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. All right, we're back uh, with another conversation with Emily. I'm excited to dive into this one. Uh, we're we're going to pick up on a thread that we... Um, kind of started to go down the last time that we were together. We were talking about um, the difference between uh, the the common bumper sticker that you see that says coexist. We're supposed to coexist with others. And then we were talking about that that um, there was an apologetics organization that I follow uh, that has put out one called Contradict. And so um, because they can't all be true. And um, towards the end of that discussion, we got to talking about sort of the Christian idea of um, heaven. And... Um, so I, I think what we want to do is kind of look at uh, heaven, talk about life on earth, life in the future. So I'm going to let Emily take it from here and let her kind of phrase her question uh, how she sees fit. And um, yeah, it should be a good, fun conversation. So take it away. Of course. Um, so I know as a, a young person uh, growing up in church, I'm very blessed to to have a Christian family who raised me in church. But um, I just I know the big thing that we discussed was, you know, your, uh, you know, get out of hell free card, you know, like that's the big thing. Like, oh, you know, you're going to go to heaven. Oh, you don't have to be scared of death because we have, you know, heaven to go home to. Or, you know, there would be a message about uh, the Lord's second coming and stuff. And here I am, you know, a young person, but then also a young adult to just be totally honest, where I'm just kind of not super thrilled about it deep down. Yeah. And the reason being is because the way that heaven is kind of explained is just, you know, we walk down the streets of gold um, and you throw, you know, crowns at the feet of Jesus and then spend the rest of eternity on a cloud with your harp, you know, like hanging out <laughs> at else's mansion and yeah. all this. And it just, my question is like, well, why is heaven so boring? You know, what am, <laughs> what am I missing here? Because yes, the, the, the opposite is hell. And I'm, I'm thankful for my salvation and I'm thankful for heaven. And I believe in heaven but I need some more details here. I need to know where, what I can't, what my mind can't fathom now with the idea of there is no time. It is for all eternity. I need some, I I need someone to kind of hold my hand on this one and tell me what my future of all eternity looks like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there's so much there. Um, There, and I, so I, what I want to do is almost back up a little bit and, and sort of set up, um, in, in marketing, we, we, we try to, <clears throat> when we introduce a problem, we amplify and agitate the problem. So, uh, let me, let me, let me amplify and agitate this a little bit. Um, we, we hear things, especially growing up in the tradition, uh, tradition of religion that we did here in the South, um, especially, and the, you hear phrases all, all the time, like, like living for eternity and we were, we were made for another world and we're, we're not living for this world. You know, for the so I wrote an article one time um, dealing with the uh, pie in the sky versus the steak on the plate while we wait. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like we're living in the nasty now and now, but one day we're going to live in the sweet by and by. Amen. You know, and all these things they preach, um, they they preach pretty well. But there's a disconnect, like when people wonder why or when pastors, let me just be blunt, when when many pastors wonder why people in their congregations are not living for eternity, it's probably because, or at least I think it has something to do with the fact 
that eternity for most Christians in the pew does sound like exactly what you've described. This boring, almost mundane existence. And and, and I, you know, there's going to be a difference in personality types here too. You and me both happen to be very driven entrepreneurs. So like I, I, you know, I I can't speak as the person who's like just living each day, waking up each day to make a paycheck and be done with the day and, and like, like, like work for the time off. My problem right. is with what I do, I, I have to be intentional about stopping because I love it so much, right? So I'm, I will work too much very easily because I'm motivated, very driven. And so I, I personally can't fathom that eternity is, is something where we literally do nothing meaningful at all other than fellowship with others and, and worship Jesus. And I mean, don't get me wrong, a, a I can maybe fathom a three or four month vacation doing that. And that, you know, but, but at some point eternity, like at some point, I feel like I'm going to want to get back to working, get back to producing. Right. It's not right. Like it, like get back to contribution. Um, and so that, that sort of agitates the problem a little bit for, for people like us, because it's like, well, this sounds really boring. And, and it, you know, it also contributes to this fairy tale factor, right? It just doesn't seem real. It's so outside of our daily everyday experience to think about chilling in our mansion and, 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 you know, I'm going to, you know, it's three o'clock time to go throw some crowns. You know, it's just like, that's so (laughs) far, you know, and it's so far out of our daily experience. And even that's a bad analogy because time, there's no concept of time in, in eternity. And so like, you can't even say, Oh, it's three o'clock. So how does that all shake out? Like, how does it work? Um, you know, and I don't, I, I have questions uh, as well. Um, and, but I do have some answers and I think that it will be useful. One, one, one thing here to think about is Eden. Like, so think about this. Like the question might be, well, did God ever create a perfect place? You know, perfect is kind of a subjective term, but, but like, you know, what is perfect for you versus what is perfect for me? I don't know, but did God ever create a place where if we define perfect as everything that he intended was happening, you know, as it should have, um, was there a place like, like that? What did God create when he created or when he envisioned a, a perfect place for humans to dwell? And the answer to that question is Eden. Now, we, of course, we know that Eden got messed up because God allowed us to have free will. And there's also questions about what does free will look like when we get to heaven? And that's, that's a whole different rabbit trail. But yeah, God created Eden, right? I mean, he created this 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 place that would be the definition of um of paradise, right? That that the whole biblical narrative when it talks about restoration and redemption, it really is couched in the terms of a return to Eden. That's the that's so so Eden is the standard. Now, so the question is, if Eden was the standard, what kinds of things were happening there? Well, of course, we know there's going to be some differences, right? There was no crown throwing going on, as far as we know, in Eden. But I'll tell you what there was. There was gardening. There was there was work prior to the fall. There was the naming of animals, right? There was there was again tending to um, to crops. There was there was the work of of Adam tending to his wife and and Eve tending to her husband. Um, so there, there was work. It's not like there was absolutely nothing going on. Things were happening. And so if, if the entire you know, idea of redemption in the Bible is couched as this return to Eden, 
then it stands to reason that Eden is going to be a a good, at least, thought pattern for what we might think of when it comes to the, so to speak, afterlife. I even hate that term, afterlife, because it sounds so... I mean, I'm not afraid of the supernatural, but it just sounds so, like, sci-fi almost. Um, right. You know? You know? But... but so so that's one thing, right? Is is any questions about that before we before we like take it further? Yeah, I guess it, it's it's just crazy to me to think that the perfect world before the fall of man there was work involved. Yeah. Um and so that's kind of that's kind of a crazy thing to to comprehend because in in a lot of people's mind like you know work is it's it's not a four letter word. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So especially yeah. in the society that we live in today. Right. Um, but then also like one of the first questions that popped in my head when you were talking about, um, you know, the, the fall of Eden was because of our free will. And then my first question, and then you kind of answered it with your rabbit trail, like, <laughs> you know, we have to go down a two, completely different path to talk about the free will in heaven. So yeah. that, that intrigues me too, but we don't have time for that question today. So we'll have to come back to it. We should come back to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we we could totally come back to that. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's right. So so that's one thing is is thinking you know biblically in terms of this this return to Eden. And I'll just be frank, off the top of my head, it's going to be hard to just like randomly pull out scriptures here for this. But but I you know maybe we can follow up with that and and talk through some of the scriptural um you know kind of data on this stuff. But um just for now, you know, I'm I'm so I'm summarizing the scriptural data with what I'm saying. Okay, so that's one thing, right? Is is this return to Eden? So the other thing is there is this concept that we 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 have of heaven as being up there and um so and hell being like down there and then as far as the rest of you know it we don't think about a return to earth we 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 don't think about earth that's what i'm trying to say sorry we we don't think about earth when we think about heaven and yet the Bible makes clear that 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 heaven comes to earth, right? That there is a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, et cetera. And, and that that is happening on earth. So it's it's not as though I mean, we, we we take some of this language that we often hear in in Revelation. Revelation is Jewish apocalyptic literature. That is the undisputed genre of Revelation. And so when we read Revelation, oftentimes we we read things that if we take them too literally, they are going to really get us confused. And what's odd is, again, especially in some church traditions, you see like this back and forth where like, on the one hand, they want to interpret um, Revelation really, really literally. And on the other hand, they realize that, that other things are not supposed to be taken literally. So they'll, you know, they'll take, like, they understand, like, that the snake and the dragon and the beast, like, like in, and again, in fundamentalist sort of circles, like, for a long time, those things have been known to be talking about, like, nations and leaders of kingdoms and things of that nature and yet when we when we look at language like that things will melt away like fervent heat and stuff like that like we don't we don't look at that language in the same sense all of a sudden now it's it's literal again and so we sort of have like this mixed up idea where like like have you ever and, and maybe you thought about this but have you ever thought of like 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 this idea where God's going to basically like send fireballs and literally burn up the earth. Like that's what that's what I always thought, right? Growing right. up, and I think that mainly mostly comes from you know left behind <laughs> rather than from the exactly. Bible. Yes, that, you know? that's my revelation right there. Yes, exactly. So like 
again, we have to just be really careful. We have to understand the text for what it, for what it says. And, and we do, Stuart often says something that I really like. Uh, he says, it can't mean for us what it couldn't mean for them. And, and it's so important. It's, it's like, you know, we talk about locusts and things like that. Like, these are not Apache helicopters. Like, you know, some of these pop culture things made it seem to be like, you know, it, it can't mean for us what it couldn't mean for them. Now it could mean for them an invading army. Right. And so, and that's what, you know, in most cases we think it did mean. Right. So like, that's just an example. So when, so we have to, to take the language for what it is and by all indications, what it looks like is going to happen is that not that God is going to wipe away everything that exists now, but rather he is going to renew it and restore it. Right. He's we're, we're, we're starting over again in a sense with, Eden at at the end of the story like like it's it's like the story is now resetting itself and things are going to play out the correct way because the plan has been seen through from the beginning till now so or till then so um th- so we have to think of heaven as coming to earth now when you when you think about heaven as coming to earth now that in itself introduces a lot of new variables right so if he- if heaven is coming to earth then what might it look like to have a perfect earth? You know, what does it look like for to have an earth that lasts for eternity? You know, so my, my, frankly, my scientific mind has, has troubles with that, right? There's things I have to justify and think about, well, how does the earth, is the, you know, is God just installed a perpetual motion machine on the, you know, on the, you know, you know, it's like you start to go out in all these funny things. Like, is the earth going to spin forever? Like, I don't know, you know, um, and, and the point of the biblical writer is never to answer those questions. That's, that's what's almost frustrating, right? Is, is, is the, the point of the writer is, is, and the point of our thought should be, no, like, this is what it would look like to, to spend eternity with Jesus. But it doesn't mean that we're going to do nothing but stare at him and woo over him. We, I'm sure we will do some of that, but human beings were created to be what we were also created to do, right? We were created to work despite our, you know, how, how, if that might offend you or if that might be something that is, is like you have a hard time thinking of, of, of work as being a part of a perfect world. Well, guess what? I mean, it was in the beginning. There's no reason to think it won't be in the end. And so you, then you have all these rabbit trails. Well, what about pets? I, it was so funny. Um, you know, growing up, you just had all these questions, fair questions, right? Like, will my dog be in heaven with me? And, you know, I was always told, um, well, no, there won't be any animals in heaven because animals can't get saved. And I was like, oh, well, of course, doesn't everybody know that? Like, yeah, um, animals can't get saved, so no animals in heaven. Got it. Like, and so I, I'm sure I always thought uh, other people were really dumb for asking that question, and and I just looked down on them with my with my you know with my Baptist attitude. Oh well, animals aren't saved; they're not going to be in heaven. Why would they be in heaven? God needs nothing with them. Well, except for the fact that when you read what is it Isaiah 61, it talks about animals being and living in. Um, peace with each other, like the wolf and the lamb, it, it talks about these animals being in this final state. And so, well, that's a problem, right? For our theology, if we think that that no dogs go to heaven, uh, it seems as though there will be some. And and so will, will your dog, you know, will Fido be in heaven? Well, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I kind of doubt it. But when the new heaven or when, when when the new heavens comes to the new earth and they are the same one and the same thing, right? When 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 we are in that final state, are there going to be animals here? 
I think so. Absolutely. Now that right now that raises other questions that I have trouble with from a scientific mind. Do the animals kill each other? Do the, you know, do they, do the animals live forever? Like, like, like we do, like, I don't know. Right. And again, that's kind of where we go back to Eden. I do think the world was created in this, um, um, I, the word perfect is, is a, again, it's a moving target. So it's a really hard word for me to, to, to use, but I think, you know what I mean when I say it, um, right. you know, there was this, this perfect world in the sense that there was no death, disease, bloodshed. That's what I believe the world was like when God created it. And so I have every reason to think that's what the world will be like in this eternal state. So maybe we have dogs, cats, birds, and, and, you know, humans all living in harmony for eternity with no death, disease, bloodshed, et cetera. And something that's actually really interesting is, um, not to rabbit trail too far on it, but even some of the people who believe that the world is really old, that God created like billions of years ago, so an old earth creationist camp. I'm not in that camp personally. I'm in the young earth creationist camp. But even those in the old earth creationist camp who would allow for uh, death, disease, suffering, bloodshed, et cetera, to have taken place in the in the time before the fall, um, in the eons past where evolution appears to have happened and things like that, even they, looking at these passages about the resurrected state, about the final resurrection, even many of them are convinced that, yeah, maybe in this final resurrected state, yeah, those animals really do get to live forever. So that, I'm not talking about anything, you know, too spectacular here. I mean, this is what a lot of scholars think based on the biblical data that's there. So um, lots of new questions come up. But yeah, it looks like literally heaven on earth. What's that old song? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. I mean, guess what? In the final resurrected state, um, it is. Heaven on earth. And and it and it kind of leads me to another question. I um I I discussed this with you a little bit prior about okay, so our earth is in our universe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now, my mind, I don't understand the point of the universe, Yeah, right? The vastness of our universe is, is beyond anything. I mean, I took astronomy in college. It was the worst idea ever. <laughs> I assumed that it would just be like really cool. But no, everything is in equations because it's right. so it's huge yeah. that we have to use math of all things, right? But no, it's it's all equations because it's we can't we can't fathom it. So, um, I've always wondered what the point of our universe was, especially if we're the only living beings in the entire universe. So do you think that the universe plays, has a a play at all in our quote afterlife? Yeah. That's a really good question. You know, for, for me, there are like two ways that I would go about thinking about and, and answering this, you know, I, I have sort of the speculative theology answer. Um, and then I have the, the apologetics answer, right? Because, because many times, um, the, the, what was it? Carl Sagan, um, uh, talked about the pale blue dot and, and there, there, many atheists have made the argument, oh, we're just this insignificant, you know, like, like earth is so small. We are so small on this planet. We're this insignificant thing amongst this, amongst billions and billions of galaxies and planets and stars. Why does God care about us? You know, you're so small, et cetera, et cetera. And 
the answer to that question it, it could just be put the opposite. No, like, like look at the vastness of the universe. Look how great it is. Look at the billions of galaxies and stars and, and planets and, and all of those things. Look at all of that grandeur. And yet look at the only place that is ever shown to be habitable for life. And look at how these insignificant, I mean, and the psalmist even talks about this. We've been made a low, little lower than the Elohim, et cetera. Like, like it is no surprise to the biblical writers that we are small, especially in comparison to God and all his wonders and his works and, 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 you know, the heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist says. So, you know, my my thinking in terms of that is the exact opposite in terms of an apologetics type of argument. No, like I think the fact that we are here and we are it in this sea of vastness is an argument for the biblical story, not an argument against it. So that that's one way. But you asked specifically about the afterlife. And this is where we get, like I said, into um, speculative theology. Um more than anything else. I mean, it really does seem that there are a lot of stars, planets, galaxies, et cetera, that are out there and being used for pretty much nothing um, other than being something to pretty, pretty to look at in the night sky. And um, God could have done that without creating the vast, marvelous universe he did. Um, and, and, and so th another conflict for me is I love astronomy. I love space travel. I love... Um, you know, like all the stuff that SpaceX and, 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 you know, talking about going to Mars and colonizing Mars. I mean, I'm call me sci-fi nerd or whatever. Um, but I love that stuff, right? It, it, that stuff just makes me happy. And yet, like, I've always had this, um, um, I've always had this disconnect in my mind with that as a Christian because I've always thought, oh, well, I, but, I like this stuff, but is that just the flesh in me? Maybe I shouldn't like this stuff because what I desire is this, is this heavenly existence, right? I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't be desiring or even finding enjoyment or entertainment out of this idea of, of, of furthering human advancement on earth or in our galaxy or in our universe. I should be looking for that other world, right? And then like the day when I, when I had the realization that no, like that's the wrong way to think about it because heaven isn't out there. Heaven is here. Like in my opinion, Elon Musk and anybody else who's doing the, you know, space travel stuff. I mean, in, in my opinion, they're just advancing the true human cause without knowing it. You know, I mean, they're, 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 they're tapping, they're almost tapping into something supernatural there. Um, because I don't see any reason why, if we're going to be here for eternity, if we're going to be on earth for eternity, um, there is going to be a new heavens and a new earth. There is no reason to think that there will not be like 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 we're not reverting to Bible times and 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 like Adam and Eve land when it, in this new heaven and new earth completely right I mean I I I, I maybe we will I don't know but I kind of doubt we're going to be walking around naked like they were like I kind of think there's going to be clothing there's going to be industry there's going to be travel there's going to be again pets family yeah you know, all this stuff and so if there's going to be those things then and we have an eternity to explore then. What if, what if the universe is our playground for eternity? You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. like now that, now again, speculative, 100%, speculative, right. 100%. But like, now that, that's a vision I could get behind. Like, that sounds stinking exciting. And and the, the coolest thing about it is I see no reason to think that it's not the case. I mean, I really, I really don't. I mean, we've pretty much got travel around the planet here 
mastered other than like you know teleportation or whatever like that would be kind of cool but like for the most part as far as moving around our planet we can get around the thing pretty darn quick we've pretty much got it mastered so we're looking at going out and so you know the lord hasn't come back yet and so whenever whenever all these events happen i just see no reason to think that we won't continue pushing out and we won't we won't continue um taking the whole universe under you know, dominion for Christ as his co-heirs and, um, and his, you know, divine assistance, so to speak. So, um, you know, and you kind of, you kind of speak about us in the afterlife. I can't help but use it because you said, no, I can't help it. Um, but you almost speak of us as like, um, still mortal. Yeah. Cause you said, you know, we're going to continue that. Like, why wouldn't we continue that? And yeah. I don't, in my opinion, you know, or, or I guess my question is, wouldn't it be, are we still mortal? Mm. Well, you know, mortal means you can die. You know what I mean? Like, like it's a, right. it's a mortality rate, right? Mortal right. means you can die. There's a difference between mortal and having a body, like mortal and, and having a physical existence. Those are two different things, right? And so, um, which, you know, pop culture makes it maybe hard to distinguish between, but right. So, so mortality means you can die, but humans were created for a physical existence, right? So this is one of the questions, uh, Randy Alcorn, again, he's written the, um, the magnum opus really on the subject of heaven. It's just called heaven. It's a great book. I'm, I'm, I'm about halfway through it. I think right now, maybe less than that. Actually, it's a really big book and he answers just every little question. So it's a great book. If you don't have it, I, I recommend you pick it up. Um, but this is one of the questions that that he answers and they talk about. And, you know, the gist of it is that that the best kind of model that we have for what a resurrection body might look like is Jesus. Right. That's about the best we can do. We know that that he's a little, you know, it's a little maybe tough because he still has the scars in his hand um, from the nails. Right. Like that's they were able to observe. The disciples are able to deserve. Um, I think that is and and. Alcorn makes this point too that that seems to be a special case. There's no reason to think that like 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 they're there to make a point. You know what I mean? Like like the point of who he of who of who Jesus is. There's no reason to think though that his body, his resurrected body, his glorified body, we might say, is not something pretty close to like what we would experience. And I mean, you know, Jesus ate. You know, Jesus walked around. Jesus did things right. And so the the human Jesus when he became 100 percent human, that was a life sentence, right? That was that was an eternal sentence. Right. So the, the idea there being that he will always be 100 percent God and 100 percent man. And so when the question is asked, what does it look like to be 100 percent man in a glorified body? I think we can point to Jesus and have a pretty darn good idea. Um, there's also and I'm, I'm not super like, you know, brushed up or confident about it, but there's also some language in Paul. Uh, I believe it's in the Corinthians somewhere where he's talking about the difference between a glorified body, like like he's talking about the body and spirit and the the point of it is humans are not created to be like, you know, we're, we are not a soul that just so happens to have a body. Humans are body and soul. We're, we're, a, we're a full package. So it, it is the opinion of the biblical writers that it would be unnatural to be separated from the body. So we, we will have this period of time where we are like that. Um, we don't have a category for what it's like for a human being to express, say, emotion without a body to do it. You know what I mean? So like, like there's, there's, there's going to be this intermediate state 
where we are in what you know the Bible calls Sheol or Hades, the grave, paradise is what Jesus called it. There's there's going to be this period of time between the final resurrection where we don't have our resurrected bodies and and after and right after we die. And during that time, it's an open question as to whether we're going to be somehow float uh, souls floating around, whether we're going to have a temporary, you know, physical existence that we sort of borrow for a while um, until our final resurrection happens. You know, these are questions that the Bible just doesn't really answer for us. But what is clear is that humans are body and soul together. Um, it is unnatural for a human being to be without a body. So there is every indication that in this resurrected state, we will not be mortal, but we will definitely have physical existence. And this is another place where I just invite you to, you know, to wonder what would it be like to have a physical existence that didn't feel pain, that didn't, it, it didn't, it didn't ache. It didn't wear out. You know, it, it didn't, it, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, like you could work without, without feeling the, you know, without feeling tired even, you know, like, right. so anyway. And, and I guess, you know, when I say mortal, that's what I, I, I don't, I mean more of just being um, a, a glorified body with no pain and no disease. I'm thinking yeah. my glorified body is going to be able to fly like oh, an yeah. angel. Yeah, yeah. My glorified body is going to be able to transport to brands. Yeah. Be able to travel to an Andromeda. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so uh -huh. I guess that's my question. Like, that's kind of what I imagined. Oh, you know, a, a little bit more of that, like, yeah. you know, almost like super powered type of yeah. ability, uh -huh. you know? I, I, I think we have little ways to prove that, but I, but I do think it's at least very possible. Um, again, looking at the model, looking at Jesus, he seemed to be able to move about, and even transcend dimensions with very little problem. I mean, it's like one minute he's there, you know, one minute he's not there. Um, and there are some really interesting philosophical rabbit trails to go to go down with that that we won't today. But like, yeah, th there is a there is an open question about that. Personally, I do think that um, th th again, this is why like super like there's a lot of theology around this. Like superhero stories, these are just like echoes of something real. Right. And so it's like all these, again, all these stories, like why have you, why are humans obsessed with Marvel and DC and with, with superheroes and these, and these, and they all have these big themes of good versus evil. And by the way, these things are all just modern reimaginations of things that human beings have been thinking and dreaming about for literally since the beginning of time. Right. Like, 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 again, you look back at Greek, like Titans and the gods and Hercules, and you go back even into um, Mesopotamian culture, you have this stuff. Like, what we're looking at now is just like our modern version of these things. So, this idea of like, you know, a very supernatural world and, and even, you know, even having superpowers or being a superhero, you know, um, I, I believe it or not, I actually think these things have a very real counterpart, a very real counterpart that we will get to be a, a part of. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is right now, the Apostle Paul again talks about this. There really is a, a real life, 100% spiritual battle going on in the world right now, in the unseen world that, that we are not 
privy to the inner workings of, but unfortunately, we're literally caught in the crosshairs of. I mean, that is happening right now. We oftentimes just can't see it. And frankly, those in third world countries who are a little bit more supernaturally minded than us, I think they do get to see it a lot of times um, and, 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 and be, you know, be a part of that. Um, but it, there, there's this bigger battle going on. There's a bigger story going on than just, you know, what we see in, 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 in the, in the gospel of, you know, we're talking in our class about gospel on the ground versus gospel in the air. There's just a huge story going on that is so much bigger than get saved, come to church and do your potluck, you know, and, and come to homecoming. Like, like it's, it's, it's so much deeper, right. And so much more than that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I think there's absolutely a category for thinking that we could, who know, like you said, transport to Andromeda or, you know, or, or whatever, you know, I, 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 I guess I think the superhero stories are real. I mean, in some sense, you know, in, in some sense, I think they're real. And I think we'll get to take part in that. And I think it's going to be freaking awesome. And um, that, that excites me, you know, that, and if, and if heaven is, is, is not this, okay. Like, I want to say almost like fine, but like, it, it really seems like, it really seems like it will be, or if, 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 or better. Like, I think it will actually, that's, that's actually my problem is I think, I think, I think I'm still thinking small. I think it's actually even going to be better than what I am thinking and imagining. And, and I know, I know it's not just me in the sense that I, I know that I'm not just having wishful thinking about what heaven is going to be like here. Because again, there just has to be a reason why the human heart seems drawn to these things. Right. I mean, it, it, again, it's not just me. It's every, every time, every place, every culture throughout century have thought about these things. It's it's not just me. It's not just because I'm a Marvel fan, you know, or I like Iron Man. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? It goes beyond. It's okay. it's something deeper than that. And so, yeah. So I think that that at the very least is possible. It's not something a lot cooler. And I'm down with that. If they'll just start doing that in junior church for all the kids, and we'll just start that now to get them excited about the yes. Yes, that will be instead of the one that's created on cartoons with clouds and yeah, you know. Yep. So, so many of these come from books, like influential books, like even our conception of hell and heaven, like Dante's Inferno and um, uh, Milton's uh, Paradise Lost, and, and just different different books like this that have sort of captured the imagination of Christians and 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 inserted their own thinking into it to where we're, we're no longer looking. We think we're getting it from the Bible, but we're actually getting it from a pop culture interpretation of the Bible instead of just looking back at the text that was originally written and getting our ideas from there. Um, that's, that's so important. It's something that is really hard for us, especially here in the South. It is, we don't think in these ways we are really, for some reason, just embedded in, into the, into the, into the mindset. Like, I'm like, I'm, how do I want to say this? I'm so appreciative of, of the faith that my, uh, that my grandmother stood for. Uh, like my grandma, again, like, like she had my whole family in church and, and my, my, my grandpa did get saved as well, but it was later in life. You know, my, my grandma was always at the spiritual bedrock. Um, and I'm so thankful for everything she's given me. I'm thankful for the, the the church I was raised in. I'm thankful that I was saved at four years old. But like the Christianity that I know and understand today is frankly so much deeper, so much cooler, so much better, so much more well-rounded than than even the Christianity that she understood, right? Like for her, it was so black and white and it just it just came out of those decades before of, 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 of again, 20th century American thinking. And fortunately now we have more access to data 
than ever before. We have more access to the the worldview of the biblical writers than ever before. We have we just have we're we're so privileged to live in the time we do now. And here I'll just rant uh, to kind of close this out, I guess. But but I'm just um, you know, it, so that's why it frustrates me. We live in a time when the access is greater than ever. I mean, I pay twenty five dollars a month. You know, people people call me. You know, I, my my podcast is the Bible Nerd Podcast, right? People say, oh, "Oh, I could never be as smart as you." Whatever. And I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm just telling you, like, what some people say, like, "Oh, you're so smart. Like, you've read all this stuff. You're such a, you know, this other thing." I'm like, I pay twenty five dollars a month. The same twenty five dollars a month you could pay for a subscription to Logos Bible Software. And when I'm studying a Bible passage and I come across something's we something that looks weird, I go look it up and I see what the best scholars of the past, you know, decades and centuries have had to say about this and, and think about it based on the information we have. It's available to anybody and everybody. I mean, I, I am, I am not, I don't, I'm not in some special club. Now, some people are in special clubs, right? they they have, they have access because they're collegiate, they're scholars, they have access to some programs and things and, and to some databases and records that I don't necessarily have as easy of access to. But guess what? So many of those people are my friends on Facebook. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with, with probably a hundred. Uh, scholars on Facebook who have access to all these databases that if I have a question, I can literally send them a Facebook message and say, hey, I have this question. And I am not some special person. They accepted my friend request. I'm sure they'll accept yours. Like, there is no excuse anymore for not knowing the Bible, right? For not... And I'm not on my high horse here. I'm the one thing that I wish I was better. I am jealous of people who are super good at scripture memorization. I'm terrible at it. And I'm working at it. But I'm not doing very well, and like, like, and like recalling scriptures that talk about things off the top of my head. I am like super duper bad at that. And again, like I said, I'm working on it. But in a pinch, I can always go to Logos Bible Software. Again, the suite that I pay for is twenty five dollars a month, and it comes with thousands and thousands of resources and tools and access. If you want to know how far it is from Judea to Samaria, you can you can find that out. You know, if you want to know what date scholars actually think Jesus was born on, you can find that out. If you want to know why we celebrate Christmas when we do, you can find that out. You can you can you can find it all. I mean, yeah, on a Google search, but you can actually use trusted Bible software right. that is put out by by right by by people who are not, you know, frankly looking to destroy what the Bible says. They're looking to uphold it and 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 make sure that we're thinking accurately about it. So, okay, off my high horse, off my rant. Point is, we have access today to the greatest resources that we've ever had. Um, this this is not. What can I say? This is not your grandma's Christianity. It's not. It's 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 right. like, real Christianity is not your grandma's Christianity. Um, it's better than that. It's cooler than that. And it's time to get on board. Right. And I love it because I like to ask questions and and getting these whys that nobody has been given yeah. for years and years is just opening a whole new world for me. And I, I love it. Thousand percent. It's awesome. It's awesome. All right, my friends. Well, I hope you enjoyed. That episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast, another great conversation with Emily about heaven. You know, I was um, talking about there the, the Lowest Bible Software plan, and, and um, I really think you should hop on that. It's I think it's the Premier Connect plan that I'm on. Again, it's it's twenty five dollars a month and worth every penny to give you access to thousands of resources. So I would highly encourage you to jump on that, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for being a listener to the Bible Nerd Podcast. If the world ends up being anything like Star Trek, I will not be disappointed. That's all I'm saying. I will not either because I even wrote it down on my paper. Universe exploration. And then I'm <laughs> Sean Luke Picard. I'm going to be the next. Yes.